Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. The Arts House on Well, a bit of Cole Porter starting us off there for the second hour of the show and for Soul in the City, which would have been this weekend. A big hello to Karen Underwood, who's the face and voice and inspiration behind getting that festival started. But also, all the talk of flowers and cutting the grass we had earlier made me think of Karen, who's a fantastic gardener as well. And sure, look, aren't we all trying our hands doing a bit more and enjoying the sun as much as the birds and the bees? I'm delighted to be talking to my next guest on the show, but I'd actually planned to travel to London to interview him this autumn. Brian Murray was a star pupil of vocal teacher Orla Palliser Kyo, and I remember going to a farewell concert in Ballincollig when he finished school to set off for the UK to train in musical theatre. He went on to Bird College in London, where he now actually teaches, as well as carving out a professional career in the West End and with big shows on tour. He rose through the ranks of the show Cats, and one of the new news pieces I spotted at the start of 2020 was that he'd been cast in Starlight Express in Germany. So off he went in the middle of February. But the universe had other plans. Ordinarily, Brian, if everything had kind of gone to plan, things could have been very different. I could have been talking to you on lockdown in Germany or something, or at least in London. Where were you in the rehearsals for Starlight Express? Where was skate school taking place? It was taking place in Bochum in Germany. So like up in the north but I actually had a big injury, actually. Like, that's why I mostly came home, because I had to recover. But it all happened on the same week of the coronavirus. So it was like fate, really. <laughs> Obviously, there's no good time to be injured. But it was, like, ideal timing, really, because I'm still recovering now. But my physio is amazing. So they've been giving me amazing exercises, which have been helping loads. So there you were, full of excitement. There was major buzz. You'd got this part in Starlight Express. It was going to be on tour and in the middle of rehearsals and skate school of all things. You would have thought, I suppose, at the time that the dream was being, or that show at least, was being taken out from under you. And within a week, it was shut down for everybody. So what they've said to me was... Because obviously of the nature of my injury, because I, I ruptured my ligaments and my ankle, which I've never done an injury before. 
So to me, it was just completely alien. So it wasn't a thing that I thought, oh, I'll be able to snap back from this straight away. I didn't really know. So I figured out since that it actually is going to take four months to heal. So it's something that I never expected that my industry or my career would give me so much pain. So it's some, and something else I'm thinking, do I really want to do that now when there's such a high risk of inner, of injury? And is it something that that kind of show, is it something that I desperately need to do because it's really set me back and it's kind of put me back in so many different ways. That's so interesting because I suppose I would look at you as well as having come off a super physical performance with cats. And again, that's like all over the place. So did you find that that was okay, or did you did you also find yourself questioning career choices with that one? Well, cats for me was always something that I just never thought I was going to be able to do because I went to a like notoriously known dance college, like dance, 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 like, but although it is musical theatre and when I was younger, I really enjoyed singing mostly. So to go to a dance college with that like inverted commas, like big looming dance energy, I never felt that I was like going to be able to do something like cats. But obviously the training I got there was insane (laughs) to the point where I actually got swing on cats, which was like insane because I played like seven different cats, which to to my brain was just like, are you sure? (laughs) But I had a great time doing it. And I literally learned so much on that job that I'll never forget all the lessons it taught me, really. We always knew stuff like this was in the stars for you as soon as you were heading off to college, never mind starting out on a professional career. When you were still in school, it was obvious that this is this is life. This is what's in you. And it's fantastic to see it coming to so wonderful a fruition in all these gigs. But here you are at home. <laughs> so you have this like fantastic training and brilliant experience and professional shows under your belt. And you're doing the gardening whilst wearing the knee pads from cats. <laughs> yeah, so that was something I said, because there's a, a trend going on Twitter that says like, hashtag leave a light on, like for theatre. So everyone's been like, whatever, doing their own bits and bobs. And I said, Do you know what? I'm actually leaving a light on in my general life. I'm putting on the knee pads from the show I was just in and I'm out there and I'm pulling up the weeds <laughs> And I'm painting my Nana's curbs. My Nana lives across the road, so I visit her every day through the window. Shout out, Nana. So it's one of those things where, like, you have to just kind of make do. And the knee pads are fantastically comfy. So I'm delighted doing the painting with them on. You couldn't be better equipped. I I just giggled so much when I saw that photograph and I thought, fair play to you. But wow, so your grandmother's across the road and you're still cocooning her. You're still just seeing her through the glass. That's hard, isn't it? Yeah, but it's actually really nice because my nana and granda both live across the road. But My granda owns a farm across the way, so he's always busy in the farm. So not much of his life has changed because he's still able to do all his bits. But like, it's great for for me to be able to spend time with them now because I'm usually never in the country and they don't have internet down there. So I can never really like text them or FaceTime them or anything. So to be honest, it's like nearly a saving grace that every day I can go down. I know Nana will be inside the kitchen window doing her cooking and whatever. And then I can see Granda down the farm and it's all great because yeah, we can do it at social distance. I do want to give him a hug, but we can just virtually hug for now. (laughs) The lovely thing about it is that unexpectedly you are home. The, I suppose, tough thing about it is though, as well, is while some of the members of the cast are probably 
quarantined in Germany together, are they? Well, yeah. So some of the cast of Starla have stayed there. So like some of my really good friends have stayed. But then a lot of others came home. So I'm not really sure what the the deal with them going back is because obviously like if some of them are in Germany now, which has completely eased so many restrictions, like all the restaurants and bars are open and stuff. So they're all just chilling over there. But then you come from the likes of England, like that's like crazy over there. So it just to me doesn't really seem logical that they're going to just leap up and head back to skate school, you know, so... We'll obviously wait and see, but I don't know what the protocol will be to be reopening that school or that show. So so in the meantime, yeah. you're at home. You just have to concentrate on your own physical improvement, well-being and recovery, building up the brownie points at home and with your grandparents. But you have to like performing and communicating through music. It's the essence of you, really. So you've started a YouTube channel. I have indeed. So I just thought, because I bought the mic, uh, loads of my friends have them, and I said, you know what, I'm going to give it a go, because it's something that, like, people have always, like, asked me, oh, can you put that onto a CD now for me, or can I have, like, a memory stick of you singing? I'm like, I don't actually have anything, because usually the singing I do is just live on stage, and I never have had the equipment to make something properly. So I said, you know what, I'm going to invest in a mic, and I said, I've always wanted to set up a YouTube channel, so I'm going to just take the leap and go for it. And yeah, so I've started it now. I did my first cover was last week with my friend Emma, who I met on the Hairspray tour in 2018. I'm going to do some solos. I'm going to do some more duets. I have some more people lined up. And yeah, just kind of making the most of the time and gaining a new skill with the laptop because I'm very uh, computer illiterate. I don't really know how to use them. So it's been a huge learning curve and just a good time to be creative, really. Yeah, for all of us, for sure. So we're going to listen to that first song, the first song that you have on the channel now. It's with your friend Emma. Tell us about the song. So the song is from a musical called Newsies. It was on Broadway a couple of years ago with the star was Jeremy Jordan, who's I'm a huge fan of. But so I really wanted to give the, the song a go. And it's called Something to Believe In. And it's sung by the two lead characters of the show. And myself and Emma Warren are going to perform it now. Brian, thanks so much. Looking forward to playing this song and looking forward to catching up with what you do every Sunday. Thanks a million.
something to believe in Now that I know you And if you weren't an heiress, and if your father wasn't after my head. You're not really scared of my father. No. But I am pretty scared of you. Don't be. to subscribe for a new song every Sunday search for him on YouTube under his stage name Brian Omwiri as of course Brian Murray has already taken and that's just the way actors equity works if another actor is already registered with your name you have to come up with some sort of a variation or change it completely so Brian is using his surname in Irish so Brian Murray becomes Brian O'Murray now I don't know what he's picked for this evening and we'll all tune in together later the Arts House on Corks 96 FM and C103. I know where I fell and will fall again. Music there from Cormac O'Keeve's album Swim, Crawl, Walk, Run, which is doing great in the album charts. I love that one. A pocket full of doodlings. And if you're a doodler or a writer, then you'll probably be one of those people keeping an eye on what's happening in the West Cork Literary Festival family. Connor. Some weeks ago, West Cork Music put out a call to budding young writers and readers in Cork, asking them if they wanted to, among other things, interview writers about their books and to learn how to conduct an interview. With the help of Graffiti Theatre Company, a series of workshops were designed to develop critical skills and to assist them in presentation. So we contacted Clodagh Whelan from West Cork Music to tell us a little bit more about this. Cloda, what does it feel like to be on the receiving end of an interview? Because you've been part of a project whereby teenagers would learn how to give successful interviews. It was a virtual interview workshop which was held very recently and is now available online on YouTube. And we'll get around to those details at the end of our interview. But how do you feel right now being on the receiving end of an interview? (laughs) (laughs) I think I wish I'd had a graffiti's help to learn the skills that they've been providing to the the young people. (laughs) They they did a bit of a training session with them beforehand so they could get used to speaking in front of each other and how to identify their responses and articulate their reactions probably much more clearly than I would. (laughs) What do you normally do? Because this is part of West Cork Music's involvement in the community and the the school community. What would you normally have been doing around this time of the year? 
Well, this time of the year is normally pretty much our busiest because we're preparing for the three festivals that we do. Yeah. Two of them have been cancelled. We're still hoping to do our Masters of Tradition Festival in August and then we're early stages of planning for that. Great. But I guess that's one of the main reasons that we moved these activities online is Otherwise, these young people would have been coming down and interviewing the writers in person at the West Cork Literary Festival. It's just a really good opportunity to provide like an opportunity for young people to go and interview the writers at the West Cork Literary Festival. This year, we used graffiti to help train up the young people. And then it's just combining the two activities that we do together. Graffiti is a theatre and education company, one of Ireland's foremost theatre and education companies working in schools all over Ireland. So they've learned an awful lot of skills in terms of educating teenagers in this particular case. So you're using their skill set, I suppose, to teach people how to ask questions and interesting questions, which is something I could learn, you know. They've been really good and they're kind of great with working with young people and kind of showing them how to express their reactions to art and to text. What you did then was you you had a kind of a Zoom session where you brought everybody together. How did that go? It was great. It was really, really good. So the three writers that we had, it was Deirdre Sullivan and her book, Perfectly Preventable Death, and that was the first one we did. And then Meat Market with Juno Dawson. And actually, we just see today that Juno Dawson has won the YA prize for that book, which is great. So it's really good that we've had the opportunity to interview so closely to that. Brilliant. And then the third one, which we haven't published yet, is Flying Tips for Flightless Birds by Kelly McCochran. That will be up there from next Wednesday. But they did so well. Like, they're so good at expressing themselves. They've got clever questions. And the writer is kind of very happy to engage with their audience. The feedback we've had from both sides has been really, really good because it's really important for writers to get a chance to actually meet and discuss their books with the people for whom they're intended. Two pieces are already up on YouTube. A third one is on the way. So if people just go to the West Cork Music website, they should find their way if they just look around towards the virtual interview workshop for teenagers. And there's a lesson or two to be learned. I might actually have a sneak look myself as well, because, you know, (laughs) there's a life's work in learning how to do an interview. And it's quite unusual because usually in this show, we talk to people about something that's about to happen as opposed to something that has happened. But before you go, I have a feeling that you might have some plans in the air, although the dates haven't quite been nailed down yet. Yeah, we're hoping to do lots of other activities that we'll be starting again from September. We do like creative writing workshops. We do graphic novel, these illustrations and podcasts as well. So we'll be posting anything like that up on our website as well. So if anyone is interested, then do take a look on westcorkmusic.ie. Okay, that's excellent. I have a feeling that you and I will be talking again sometime, maybe closer to September. So until then, Clodagh, thanks again. Thanks very much for your time. The Arts House on Cork's 96FM and C103. Music there from the Whitehorse Guitar Club in Balancholic. And during the week, we chatted to a few of their members about a completely different project. 
Because in lockdown, one of the things which has been keeping us all going is music. It's incredible how many of our singers and musicians have been doing free benefits online, raising money for everyone and anyone but themselves, and doing it to help the community and keeping people's spirits up. And it's obvious why. Music just speaks to our souls and our spirits. And when we're low, it lifts us up. So Music in the Community, known as MIC or Mike, is a group which has been doing something similar with a few years, reaching out to share music with those who are, for various reasons, unable to get out themselves. And in this lockdown, they are still managing to do it. I saw a gorgeous black and white photo the other day of Magella Culla and Joe Philpot from Ruby Horse performing in the courtyard of Marymount Hospice. And I was amazed at how they were doing such a great job while observing social distancing. And they had a rehearsal on Friday for another gig in Marymount, having set the whole thing up two metres apart. And because I couldn't join them, Adrian O'Mani brought his microphone and I chatted to them on a Zoom call with Joe Philpot and Magella Culla. Joe, the way music and community is working now is vastly different to what you would ordinarily be doing. But a lot of people still haven't heard of this movement. So tell us about it first. Well, originally the whole idea was about getting music into places within the community that can't access music for whatever reason. You know, be it a health reason, economic, social, whatever it is. And that was all very much under the kind of conventional roof of going to gigs in a normal way. Obviously, this thing has spun turned everything upside down in its head and in some ways it's kind of made the whole concept almost even a bit more relevant. Now it's taken us a good few weeks to figure out how we can reignite the philosophy of music and community which is you know bringing music and shining a musical light on the corners of the community that can't actually reach it. Now we're all that right now <laughs> you know everybody is kind of in a position where they can't access culture in the way that they're used to. I think people really don't know where this is heading in terms of performance and and all that. But with the Marymount situation, what was fantastic for us, they just reached out to us and said, look, with the the lifting of the first, I I guess, batch of restrictions where we could actually go to Marymount and set up in the courtyard and play outside and obviously a huge social distance between us and and the patients and the staff. So it is outside. People are coming out to the balconies to watch us and are coming out with their carers and are at huge distance away from us. I mean, it's like, you know, you're talking... 20 or 30 feet the nearest person to us we're about two, you know the two meters apart and we're practicing all the best practice that we can in the in the situation but what's really interesting too is it's not only for the patients who are the priority it's up for the, ourselves and the staff as well the, the amount of emotional well-being it's giving us as musicians to be able to actually perform and not have to rely on a you know a device to, to do it to actually be playing with other musicians in a very organic way again is hugely important and also, I think the staff are getting a good lift. Uh, you'll be talking to Magella in a while. Magella obviously, is, is, is a huge add-on to this. And having her involved in Mike for this particular project, and indeed the Westgate project as well, is, you know, it's a magnificent experience. Even, a, I'd, I'd go as far as say it's a cultural experience for, for people, you know. And in this situation, in this lockdown situation, that's worth its weight in gold because I think we're all under so many restrictions Sometimes the art of what you're doing, for one, without sounding too OTT about it, it, it suffers a bit, you know? Completely. I found it personally very challenging to figure out what you can do as, as an artist in this situation, you know? And actually working with Mike now in this situation and working in, in a very authentic way, just as you would, musicians playing with each other, 
I mean, there's Aoife Donovan, the flautist as well, and there's Adrian and myself from the Guitar Club, and, and of course then the add-on of Magella for this setting is, I mean, it's really, it's a, it's a great, great thing to be doing, you know. So for yourselves as musicians, like you said, to have a kind of an organic and natural collaboration is great because mm. society, so much in society has locked down. We can't let our minds and the different things that elevate our spirits also become locked down and we have to seek out as many ways as possible for those sort of things to be still made wholesome in our lives and especially like you said for these communities in various foundations or nursing homes and places like Marymount God it must be you know shocking to be cut off from everything otherwise so this is tremendous that you went in and you've you've been there already what was it like setting up in the courtyard? Well, I suppose we had been running a programme in there that actually we had the privilege to be allowed in to do bedside music interventions in the actual wards of Marymount. My own dad passed away five years ago in there. And when I was in there, I just realised the, what they do is just so incredible. And I thought it would be a great thing to be able to allow access to music, you know. Obviously, that took a long period of time and a huge building of trust and a partnership between ourselves and the Marymount staff to actually create that. Initially, we started doing concerts in the hallway in the foyer on a Sunday. And we gradually built from that then to actually go and do actual bedside performances, if you want to call them that, which they're not really when I think about it, because, I mean, they're very sensitive to the obvious situation that's there, you know. I mean, for example, you could be asked by a family to come in and play a tune or a song while their, their loved one is actually passing away. Now, that in itself is, is just to be in that environment while that's happening is, is, is such a privilege and, and an honour and, a, and a, a show of trust, I suppose. But they, the families would be hearing us kind of floating around the hallways and they'd be getting a sense of what we're doing. And then, you know, a loved one might come up and say, look, you know, a family member might come up and say to us, look, my dad loved whatever song could you come down and play it for him? You know, and we would. And, we, and then you'd end up going in and adding one more memory to the situation, I suppose, is our goal. And to do it as sensitively and, as, uh, you know, and, and with a sense of quality about it, if we can, you know, if we can make it the best musical performance we can give to that person in, in, that, in that situation, that's, that's our priority. So, yeah, so we had been there working for a good few years, I suppose, doing that for about two or three years now. And then this courtyard thing came about. They actually contacted Adrian directly and said look you know we're, we're able to kind of manoeuvre now somewhat uh, albeit in a safe way and obviously with the weather being so nice you know the courtyard performances now where the music just kind of seeps into the building and seeps into the rooms like we're work, we work with elderly care there as well it's not just the palliative care side of it the last two or three weeks now have been in the elderly care side so we're switching over now next week to the palliative care side in the courtyard over there so it's quite quite an experience but like you know ultimately all of this is going to unfold in a way, I think, it's, come, it's going to come down to choice. What's going to happen, I think, is once we have clear guidelines and clear health and safety guidelines, even in terms, not just in terms of working in healthcare settings, but, it, but working as musicians again and have, holding concerts. Everyone's asking, like, where is it going? Is it going to be drive-through concerts? I, I think it's all going to eventually become, people are just going to make their own choices and they're going to say, there's a gig on tonight somewhere, I'm going to go. You know, the, obviously the venues will be, set up in a way that provides uh, you know, as, as much kind of safety as, as possible and capacities may be slightly reduced but I think it's just ultimately going to end up back to some way the way we, 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 we were used to things you know. And hopefully before too long yeah that's true. Come here, throw Magella on there so we'll have a chat with Magella and see how she's getting on with the music and community. Thanks Joe. Yep, yeah, no bother.
Magella, first of all, it's great to see you. Great to see you, Elmarie. We've sent each other a couple of video messages and I think you were one of the first people that we video messaged in like week one of lockdown and you were sending us a message singing from your house. <laughs> and it's so wonderful to see that music and singing is still part of every day and that hasn't stopped. That's the main thing. Well, it's really thanks to this because I kind of wasn't singing and I was neglecting my voice really initially. So when the music and community started up again, that kind of forced me to start warming up and start singing songs and I rehearsed with the lads. And so it's been a blessing because I was starting to, you know, crumble. All right, my poor la voce was disappearing, Elmarie. Well, it's back in full throttle. Is this your first year being involved with the music and community team? Yes, I met Adrian Omani at some rehearsal or other and I did say to him, look, I know you're involved in community music making and I'm, I'm definitely interested if you, if you ever need a voice, just count on me and, and give me a call, which he did. And so in September, we started visiting Westgate Nursing Home in Ballancolig and Marymount Hospice as well. After our sessions, people would say, thank you so much. And I, I kept repeating, which I uh, came from the heart, that I was getting more out of this than anybody else. Because seeing the pleasure and the, the twinkly eyes from people's faces when you'd sing and perform, they were just... They were loving it. They were obviously having the time of their lives, either singing along to the music or just swaying or just deeply listening. As an artist, that's, it's a beautiful thing to feel that, that an audience is being receptive and that it's kind of making a difference as well. But it was interesting, the different kind of gear change between singing to people who were coming in for daycare, mm-hmm. um, who were dancing and singing along and very energetic and then singing for people who were obviously very, very ill, but who were still appreciating the music and enjoying it very much. And then the experience in the palliative care ward, when you were singing to people who were basically at end of life, and sometimes it, it did... I, I, I was proud of myself, really, that I, I kind of was able to hold it together and I was able to put it in a little box that because you were aware that sometimes you were singing to people and you were going to be the last voice that they were going to hear singing or people's favourite songs that we, we all do our best if we have a request to facilitate that request. And, and between, between Aoife and Joe, Adrian and myself, we have a fair breadth of repertoire. Sometimes that was hard, though, but so extremely worthwhile and 200% a privilege to be doing something like that. So tell me what happens, like put us in the picture. A lot of people like myself would know what it's like to be in Marymount and how beautiful a place it actually is. So talk us through what it feels like to be setting up in the courtyard there. Well, it's kind of cool because it is a a state of the art building and a very beautiful place. And the staff are extraordinary there. And so they they just bring everybody in so far as they can onto the various balconies because it's sort of a three-tier building. What I found kind of amazing was on the lower ground, they were able to open the patio doors and push the beds out into wow. the fresh air as well. 
And so there were other people who were more able-bodied who were able to kind of come further out yeah. into the garden and sit at chairs and tables. And so you sort of had, there were kind of people everywhere in the more jaunty numbers, you know, the staff were dancing around the place. And we've had a couple of birthdays, including a hundredth birthday, and we were able to sing to them. And so there's just a lovely atmosphere and because the lads there, they're the, the technical, our technical people look after the sound and the equipment. So I don't, <laughs> I don't ha- have to worry about that side of things. I just have to remember my words or put my words up in front of me. And, but we are, we're cognizant of the fact that we're not in a room all together and, you know, people aren't getting up dancing or, you know, we, so we were very careful about the set list that we had and the repertoire that we chose that it was going to be suitable for that kind of ambiance because there is a distance between us and the audience. So we wanted to give them as much variety as possible. And this is another thing that's cool for me because I basically sing everything from Puccini to the Carpenters and everything in between. I mean, our new song last week was Dolly Parton's Jolene, which um, I sang with gusto. And it's been said on a few times, well, number one, you know, you have the best quality musicians and a singer who's not to be sniffed at. Then you have all this variety as well because of all our various experiences. You know, I think more and more movements like this are needed outside this period of confinement or whatever. And I'm not sure exactly how it truly, truly started, whether it did. Maybe Joe might tell us, did it begin with the White Horse Guitar Club? Was that initially how it all kicked off? Yeah, it was actually Joe Carey from the White Horse, Adrian O'Malley, who you know, Mm. and myself, all members of the Guitar Club, we kind of had this idea collectively I suppose initially that we just wanted to start something that brought musicians primarily that were coming through the White Horse to kind of work in the community mm. while they were sort of hanging around in the Oriel House doing nothing you know <laughs> and as musicians love to do so and get get people involved in kind of more more kind of face-to-face kind of interactive community-based projects that led into that festival the music and community festival that we did in the regional park I think there was like 10 15,000 people showed up to it and you know out of that then we, we kind of really decided that we wanted to kind of focus more on 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 groups that were more possibly more vulnerable. Organisations like Headway, obviously the Westgate Foundation, Balan Colleague with the Elderly. We are also involved in music education programmes through Music Generation in Cork and also then just the uh, obvious one that we're talking about this morning, the Marymount Hospice and other healthcare settings actually. So it was born out of a conversation, like in a pub, like all great things. When you can go back into them. When we can go back in. And when we can have the whole guitar club together... Again, that's a conversation for another day. I think maybe you might be able to manage four or five at a time fairly soon. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, we're chomping at the bit to get back. Really looking forward to, to the opportunity to play music in a normal, non-restricted, non-Zoom-like <laughs> situation again. <laughs> yeah, bring it on. Joe, thanks a million.
Well, the work of that team is just incredible. That's the sound there of Joe Philpott, Adrian Omani, Eva O'Donovan and Mangella Colla. And you can read more about their work and the various organisations they've helped since 2014 on musicincommunity.ie. Someone happy, make just one heart to heart. Well, guys, that wraps it up for this week. It's the bank holiday. The weather is gorgeous. Hope you enjoy it. Listen back to the podcast. Please take part in the karaoke for St. Gabriel's Special School. It's only a fiver. It's all they're looking for. And until next Sunday, stay safe. Stay as sane as you can. I know it's mad. (laughs) It's our last week in 5K. See you on the other side. If you win it, comes and goes in a minute. Where's the real stuff in life to cling to? The Arts House on Cork's 96FM and C103.